But let's take our Bibles and go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And as you find your place there, if you're able, I'd like to invite you to stand. James chapter 1. James chapter number 1. And if you're able, I'd like to invite you to stand as you find your way there. And we're continuing with our theme uh, forward, as you see. Um, and uh, it's just been a blessing uh, to study um, around this subject. And um, I believe it's been a help and encouragement. And it has to my heart. And so I hope that uh, we'll listen and uh, receive what the Lord has for us this morning. James chapter 1. Uh, we find our place there. Hebrews, James. And um, we'll read the first four verses of James chapter 1. The Bible says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. This is a, a, a difficult passage as a Christian to really face. Um, James is a book for Christians who desire to mature in their faith. It's not um, a book where someone receives Christ and says, I have no desire to grow after. It's a book that we come to to desire growth, to mature as Christians. And James really brings out, he starts right away and, and declares to us what to do when we face a trial. What to do when a test comes. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've wondered, what do I do? <laughs> you ever been to a place where you think, what do I do now, God? What, what do I do now? And so this morning, we're going to speak on the subject, how to go forward during a trial. How to go forward during a trial. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the time that we have together. I pray that you would bless it and use it. God, I pray that you would use me as your vessel, that you would cleanse me of sin and empty me of self and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing this morning. God, you know exactly the words. You you know exactly the truths that need to be given this morning. I pray that That's what would be done. I pray that you would help all in any distractions to be put away and that you would help us just to focus on the message for this Sunday. And I pray that you would just use it now, help us to be encouraged by it. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Our ultimate purpose in life is to bring God glory. Our ultimate purpose in life is to bring God glory. And when we face a trial, we have an opportunity to do that. We have an opportunity to do that. Joe Scriven was a missionary from Ireland to Canada in the 1800s. He was joined by his fiancée, who also was from Ireland. And just before the wedding, she was killed in an ice accident. And Joe buried his wife with his own two hands and a broken heart. 
A year, letter and a, a year later, in a letter to his mother, he reflected. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You see, Joe Scriven was on the road to triumph because of how he faced his trial. And how we faced our trials will determine how God can use us. Can I say this morning that trials are bound to happen? Discouragement is bound to happen. If you've lived any time in life, you've faced some discouragement. You've faced some times where someone maybe failed you. And so we as Christians need to know how to face these situations. So this morning, we're going to look at three steps to take in order to go forward during a trial. Three steps in order to take in order to go forward during a trial. It's, it's very simple, but I, I want us to understand before we jump into this, that a trial can either make us or it can break us. It can either turn us bitter or it can make us better. And so how we face a trial, how we face a difficult situation, will determine whether or not we go back or we go forward. And every one of us have been in a situation or maybe faced a circumstance where we felt, man, this has really drawn me closer to the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about. Because we want, when we face a trial, to draw closer to the Lord rather than go farther away from the Lord. Because really, that's one of the two options that we have. When something comes, we either go away from the Lord or we draw closer to the Lord. And so, we're going to look at three steps and how to go forward. Number one, if you're taking notes, we need to respond with rejoicing. We need to respond with rejoicing. Now, before you get mad at me, let's look at the Bible and then we'll explain, okay? James chapter 1, verse 2, the Bible says, my brethren, okay? He's already saying that he's talking to Christians here, and he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse Temptations. He didn't say, count it all joy if you fall into diverse temptations. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. As I said a moment ago, trials are bound to happen. Discouragement is bound to happen. But it's how we respond to that. And he says, count it all joy when you fall into this. When a trial comes, when discouragement comes, when the test comes... Count it all joy. Now, what does this mean? What is James trying to say? Am I supposed to enjoy and be happy when a trial happens in my life? Well, let me, let me explain two, two words here that sometimes we get confused. And the two words are happiness and joy. Okay? Happiness and joy. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is in the moment. For illustration, a few weeks ago, I was happy that the Atlanta Falcons made it to the Super Bowl for the second time and had not won one yet. I was happy about that. Of course, Silas came over and we had pizza and we had uh, ice cream. I mean, we were, we were happy. Believe me, 
And we were having a great time. Of course, if you watch the game, Atlanta was doing tremendous in the first half. I mean, they were doing great. Um, I believe at one point in the first half it was 21 nothing, and then in the third quarter it was like 27 to 3. And they were just going th- through, and I, I thought, man, we got this. It's over. It's in the bag. Atlanta's going to get their first Super Bowl. But Tom Brady had other plans. <laughs> and uh, I didn't, you asked, asked Silas, I didn't count Tom Brady out. I knew that there was a chance. He said, ah, do you really think that he can come back from that? I said, I'm not going to count him out. And so we were, we were cheering on. We were excited. And, of course, we were having a good time. And then it happened. I'm not bitter. Maybe a little bit. But they lost. And, uh, and you know what? I wasn't so happy anymore. <laughs> it was like my emotions just literally just transformed in a moment. That's happiness. That's happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. I was happy when they were winning, but I wasn't happy when they lost, right? And that happens throughout our life. We get happy. We're excited about something that happens in our life, whether it's we get a raise at work or whether we um, get, get a promotion or maybe something good happens in our life or uh, an exciting time. That's happiness. But happiness is circumstantial. You ever notice that we're not always happy? Because problems come. Circumstances come. And so those circumstances will depend on if and when we're happy, right? But joy is supernatural. Joy only comes from God. It only comes from God. I've wondered oftentimes how can someone with so much wealth and so much just popularity be so unhappy? Because the fact is that for a moment it gives them happiness, but it doesn't sustain. It doesn't sustain. And things may make you happy, but they won't keep you happy. The only thing that will keep you joyful is Christ. Obviously, having a relationship with Christ is a result of joy. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Joy is, is something that we experience after we're saved. Let me give you a definition, and this is something that we don't normally look at as joy, but a simple definition of what we're talking about in rejoicing or counting it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Listen to this. It's a settled contentment in every situation or an unnatural reaction of deep, steady, and unadulterated thankful trust in God. What am I saying? Joy comes from trusting God. That's where joy comes from. You want to have a joyful Christian life? Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. We, we, the, some verses that we often, often overmiss and, and, and kind of throw to the side is Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So pastor, what you're saying is that whenever a trial comes into my life, I'm supposed to respond with rejoicing. With rejoicing. Yes. 
James is saying, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And the only way that you can count it all joy when you fall into a a, a temptation or a trial is by trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. Knowing that He's in control. Knowing that He's going to do what's best. How can I count it all joy? How can I understand that everything is okay because I know that everything that happens to me is father-filtered and everything that comes into my life, God knows about it. It's not a surprise to God. Sometimes we think, God, did you know that this happened? Did you know that this was going to, going to happen in my life? Did you know that so-and-so was going to pass away? Or did you know whatever and fill in the blank? And the, and the answer is yes, he does know. He does know. And so we're supposed to respond to that with joy. Let me give you an illustration that we find in Acts chapter 5. This is a familiar story where the apostles are preaching in Jesus' name. They're, they're, they're ready, they're excited, they're out preaching in Jesus' name, and then they get thrown in prison. If you want to turn there, Acts chapter 5, God gets them out of prison, delivers them, They were told not to preach again. They went back out, began to preach again. In Acts 5.29, they were brought before the council again. And they said, look, you've got to stop preaching in Jesus' name. We don't want you doing that anymore. And the apostles stood up and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. That's a great principle. We ought to obey God rather than men. And they said, we can't but preach in Jesus' name. There's no other name that we can preach in, so I'm sorry, and, 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 and that's what we're going to do, whether or not you like it or not. And so they went back out again, began to preach in Jesus' name, and they, t- they, they were told to obey them, but they would rather obey God. And the council got mad, they got angry and beat them. And we're told to leave again and not to preach in Jesus' name. And in Acts 5.41, it says, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Listen to those words. They departed from the presence of the council after being beaten, that they were counted worthy to suffer shame. For his name. Rejoicing. How how did the apostles respond like that? How did they respond rejoicing because they had been beaten for, for, for the sake of Jesus? How did they respond that way? Because they knew that God was in control. That God knew what he was doing. And so because of that, they could trust the Lord and count it all joy. They could count it all joy. Now, am I saying that when a trial comes, we should just, you know, let everybody know that how excited and happy we are that it came? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that I can stand back and say, look, I may not understand. I may not get it. It doesn't make sense. But I do know that the Lord's in control. and He's got it all in his hands. He's got it all in his hands. Diverse temptations. Some of you may be wondering what that means. Various trials. I think you notice that we don't all go through the same things. We all face different trials. Some of us face the loss of a loved one. 
And that's a difficult trial to face. Some of us face health problems. And that's not always easy. Some of us may have faced a child that's been in the hospital. Or maybe with a sickness. And that's difficult. Maybe a child who has strayed away from the Lord. Maybe it's financial problems. A loss of a job. Relationship issues. We all face trials. And they're all different. But can I say this? We never should compare our trials with someone else. That's an easy way to start feeling sorry for yourself. Have you ever noticed that sometimes people who maybe aren't living right have it better than some people that, in your eyes, are living right? Have you ever noticed that maybe someone who isn't living for God is experiencing great wealth, they're having no difficulties, it seems like everything is just going great. And then you're over here thinking, I'm trying to do right, I'm trying to serve the Lord, I'm trying to stay faithful to God, and yet it just seems like everything's just falling apart. Why? And we can't do that. Because when you begin to do that and allow the trial, looking at someone else and thinking, how come they don't have it as bad as I do? You begin to feel sorry for yourself. You'll begin to thinking that, man, God's just got a target on my back because, you know, whatever. Rather than looking at it and thinking, God's trying to do something right now. Why, why did she have to get cancer? Why, why, why do I have to face this? Why, why do I have to face the loss of a loved one? Why me, God? Why not someone else that isn't living right? Maybe we've thought that before. And look how good they got it. And look what we have to go through. Listen, our trials are different. They don't always happen at the same time. And we can't compare our trials with others. We have to trust God that He knows what He's doing. That's what we have to do. And so, the test isn't always the same. The test isn't always the same. The test is fair, because God is fair and He is just. And you may not think the test is fair, but God knows that the test is fair. There's three questions on the exam of trials. Three questions. The first question is, do you believe that God is in control? Do you believe that God is in control? Anytime you face a trial, you have to answer that question. You have to answer that question. Do you believe God's in control? The second question is, do you believe that God is good no matter what you see or face? That God's still good. Trusting that I understand. The third question is, will you wait on God by faith until the darkness becomes light? 
Will you wait on God by faith until the darkness becomes light? Three questions that we have to answer. And many times we fail this test. Do I believe God's in control? Well, we may not have said no, but our actions say no. Do you believe that God is still good? Well, we may not have said no, but our actions say, God, why are you doing this to me? He's still good. And then will you wait on God? Will you wait on God by faith? Romans 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, in being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in that glory. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that it is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 1 Peter 1 and verse 6 says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, I have to respond with rejoicing. And how do I do that? I have to trust the Lord. I have to trust the Lord. And I can still have joy in the midst of a trial because I know God knows what He's doing. I know. Number one, we we, we have to respond with rejoicing. Number two, we have to recognize that there is a reason. We have to recognize that there is a reason. Look at verse three, if you would. I like this word that that the Bible uses, it says, knowing this. (laughs) Knowing this. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. Recognize the reason. What's what's the reason, Pastor? It says it right there in verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith. The trying, or the proving, if you will, of your faith. I've said over and over again, but it's so important to remember that a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And when God tests our faith, He is proving our faith. Is your faith real? Is it genuine? Then He wants to try that faith. He wants to prove that faith. Do you really love me? Are you really committed to me? Well, here's the trial. Let's see if you still will be. Will you still stay committed? Will you still love me? Because it's easy to say I love you when things are going great, but when things get difficult is when the testing comes. That's when the testing comes. And so there is a reason that God is sending a trial. And that's the trying of our faith. 
And God wants to know if your faith in him is just based off your circumstances going your way. And so many people believe in the lie that if, if I receive Christ, then everything is just going to go exactly how I want it. That's not true. It's going to go exactly the way God wants it. And so our circumstances cannot depend whether or not we trust God or not, or whether or not we continue, but it's based off of the trying of our faith. He's, he's testing us. He's testing our faith. 1 Peter 4 and verse 12 said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. I love that. Think it not strange that it's, it's coming. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be approached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of the glory of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Our ultimate purpose in life is to bring God glory, and through trials we are, we are given an opportunity to give him glory. He told us in Matthew 5 that we are the light of the world. And when we go through trials, we are representing the light. We are. Oswald Chambers says, Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. Says so faith is not for my deliverance. Faith is just trusting that He is doing what's best. And God doesn't just want us to be happy, as we might understand the term. He wants us to be holy. He doesn't want us to just be happy. He wants us to be holy. In order to make us holy, He's got to send trials. To mature or complete us, as James says. I thought about what... How can you respond to a trial whenever something comes in your life? And I thought about three questions that we can ask ourselves whenever we face a trial. And I, I kind of took this and I, I was told when, when I faced a trial that this would be something good for me to do in, in my journaling and in, in my daily walk with God. And if, if you're taking notes, I'd like you to write these three things down and maybe you can write them down whenever a trial comes. The first question is, what happened to me? So what is my trial? What happened to me? What am I going through? What is my trial? The second question is, why am I here on earth? Or what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And number three is, how can this trial advance that purpose. How can this trial advance that purpose? So what's my trial? What's my purpose? And how can my trial advance my purpose? Does that make sense? 
I really, I hesitate to, to think sometimes that I don't really understand what the purpose is behind it, my trial. But I do know my ultimate purpose is to bring God glory. And so if I remember that purpose, I will know whether or not I know the purpose of my trial, that my purpose constantly stays to bring God glory. And if I can remember remember that, I'll always be reminded whenever something difficult comes that my purpose is still to bring God glory. To still lift Him up. And so no matter what happens in my life, I still want God to be glorified through it. I still want God to be glorified through it. I remember in, in high school, guys that would get injuries in sports, um, whether it was a hamstring or um, you know, an ankle or anything, um, you know, as, as a player, you want to get back on the field as fast as you can. But there's a process that you have to go through in order to get there. Sometimes it's four weeks. Sometimes it's six weeks. Sometimes it's a few months. Sometimes it's just a week. But if you don't wait in that process and allow it to heal, then you get right back and you're right back where you were before. I've, I've seen over and over again guys that would pull a hamstring and that always seemed to be the one that would happen. You'd pull a hamstring and they'd wait a few days and they'd go back out and they'd pull it even more and tear it even worse. And then they'd be done for the rest of the season. Why? Because they didn't wait on the process. And sometimes we, we want to rush the process. We want to get out of the trial, right? God, get me through this trial. Get me out of this. I don't want to be in this anymore. This, this, is, this is not fun. This is difficult. Get me through this trial. And God's saying, no, no, no. I want to teach you something through the trial. I want to teach you something. I, I want you to learn something. And, and, and when he does that, he's trying to help us. But sometimes we think, no, I just want to get out. And, and so God says, okay, I'll let you out. And he lets us out, and we end up right back where we were, taking the same test again. We, we re-injure what happened before. Why? Because we didn't trust the process. We didn't wait on him. And so we've got to allow God to do his work. The furnace is not fun, but it's effective. It's effective. And so he's trying to make us stronger and more effective for Christ. So we need to recognize there's a reason. Listen, I will be the first to tell you, I have, I, I, there are times where I have no idea what the, the, the reason that God is trying to do what he's doing in my life. There's so many times where I think, God, why on earth are you allowing this to happen? And I can't tell you. There are people that, that have come to me and said, why would God allow something like this to happen? And to be honest with you, I can't give you the exact reason, but I can tell you this, that he wants to get glory from your life. I can tell you that. And so if we're focused on that, that this is a testing of our faith, and that testing of our faith is being made known to those around us, those at work, your children, your spouse, they're seeing. The testing is happening. How are they going to respond? And so it's through that trial that we determine whether or not we, we go forward 
or we go backwards. Whether or not we draw closer to God or rather whether or not we run away from God. And so when we respond with rejoicing and we recognize then that there is a reason, then number three, we need to rest in the results. We need to rest in the results. Look at verse 4 if you would. But let or allow patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing complete. That's what he's trying to do. He's testing our faith. He's trying to make us more like him so that we can be stronger and more effective Christians. And sometimes even when we get out of a trial, we still don't understand why God did what he was doing. We still don't understand what the purpose directly was related to But trials will come. And when we become bitter because of a trial, we start going backwards. I've seen over and over again Christians get bitter at God and leave. Walk out. Quit. Because they got bitter. They got bitter at God. They got mad at God. They thought, God, why are you doing this to me? And bitterness will destroy you. It'll destroy you. And I honestly don't believe a Christian could follow these three steps, rejoicing and and recognizing there's a reason and resting in the results and become bitter at God. I don't think you can. If we follow these, these three steps that James has laid out for us, I don't think you can become bitter at God. Trusting God knows best. Realizing that He's testing my faith and then just resting and realizing that He's doing what's best. How can you become bitter at God following those three steps? You can't. You can't. And God wants to make us complete. That word perfect is is a word that sometimes we refer to as mature or complete. He wants us to make us into the Christian that He wants us to be. And we can't be that unless He takes us through the trial. Unless He takes us through. You know the story of Job. Job faced some difficult, difficult situations. None of us in this room, I I, I would highly doubt, will ever face anything even in comparison to what Job went through. But yet Job said in Job 23.10, But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You know what Job knew? God's got a purpose behind this. And He's trying to make me complete. He's trying to make me into what He wants. And so I'm just going to keep trusting Him. God knows the way that I take. And when I come out, I'm going to be stronger because of it. I'm going to become better, not bitter. And I'm going to allow God to do His work. It hurts to see you this way. I'm lost for words. There's so much I'm wanting to say. Well, I don't understand. I'll hold your hand. If I have it my way, I'd take this from you. But God, He knows what He's doing. So here while our hearts break, we have to believe 
that God, He knows what He's doing. He's never failed us before. He has shown us His goodness, His love will endure. His ways are higher than our our own. Whatever the road. If I had it my way, I'd take this from you. But God, He knows what He's doing. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. What's the results? That it be like Jesus. That it be more like Jesus. That's why. That He's working everything for good so that I can be conformed to the image of His Son. And I don't know about you, but I want to be more like Jesus. I've got a lot of work to do. We all have a lot of work to do. But one of the ways that He makes us more like Jesus is when we go through a trial. He does. So, can I ask you this morning, are you going through a trial? Are you facing a tough time? You know, Many Christians will face trials and either complain, take it out on others, try to run away from them, or give up. Many Christians will either complain about their trial, will take it out on others, will try to run away from it, or just give up. But when we respond with rejoicing, trusting God, when we recognize that there is a reason, the testing of our faith, and we rest in the results, no matter what it's what we desired or not, but it's what God wanted, then we can go forward. Then we can go forward. Can I, can I can encourage you and challenge you this morning that God loves you and God wants the best for you. And when he sends a trial, he is not, he's not necessarily punishing you. But he, he, wants to make you, he wants to make you better. And the reason that James is saying, count it all joy, is the fact that God hasn't given up on us. You realize when God sends a trial in your life, it's a reminder that God hasn't given up on you yet. He hasn't given up on you. Why, why do I say that? Because if he's sending a trial your way, he's saying, I still, I still know that you have some growth. I still, I still want to see you grow. I still want to test that faith. I still want to strengthen you. And if God were to do that, he's saying, there's still hope. There's still hope. There's still hope for you. Because God's allowing a trial to come in your life to make you stronger, to make you better, to make you complete. And if God stops sending trials in your life, who knows? Maybe he's given up. But if God's still allowing trials to come in your life, he's still working on you. Let us not forget 
But God has a purpose. God has a reason why He's doing it. We may not always know, but He knows what He's doing. And so let's trust Him and count it all joy that God will allow us to face what we're going through so that we can glorify Him. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you for listening so well this morning. It's inevitable that we face trials. You can't avoid them. It's going to happen. But how we face them is up to us. Will we respond with rejoicing? Will we recognize that there's a reason that he's doing this? And will we rest in the results that he does? But God knows what he's doing. God isn't surprised. God isn't overthrown by what's happening. He's not overwhelmed. He knows. My question to you this morning is, will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you give it to him? And will you allow him to be made known through you? You're on display as a Christian to this world. And as we go through a trial, that display is showing him. So, can I ask you, how are you displaying Jesus? How are you showing him? Is it a good representation? Or is it a bad one? A lot of thoughts this morning, and I don't know where the Lord spoke to your heart at. I know the Lord has spoken to mine. But as the music begins to play, if there's somewhere along the line that we spoke this morning and you said, Pastor, that really spoke to me, why not maybe come to an altar or maybe there at your seat? Ask the Lord to help you. Give it to Him. He promises to take your burdens, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And trust that He knows what's best. And allow God to do His work. Don't rush the process. Allow God to do His work. And when we come forth at the end, we'll come forth as gold. What a blessing.